Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. However, wherever, whenever you're listening, this is the Root for Wisconsin show. Season 2, episode 3, episode 55 overall. Coming at you from the Minga True Value and Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm Eric, the Big E Fisher, joined in person here with Ramsey Thompson. Ramsey, how you doing, buddy? Awesome. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. No Justin this week. He's got a busy schedule, as we all do. He's back in the coaching world, so we make the accommodation. It's an Eric and Ramsey episode, so people either starting this episode are 30 seconds in and already sick of us, or they're really locked in. I was about to say, they probably turned it off. They heard No Justin, just turned it right off. But here we are. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. So before we do that, we got to talk our partners. We got Monkey Knife Fight. That touchdown dance hit again, Ramsey. I oh, no, you're just putting money in people's pockets. I don't know why. It's Christmas time. You know, the holidays are just done. People a little short on change. Maybe they went a little over the top in the gift giving. I'm not, not avenged to that. You know, I'm all for that. Putting money back in your pocket. Times four multiplier. Two and a half touchdowns. Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, and David Mon- No, they didn't play the Bears. It Nick was uh, Chubb. Nick Chubb. That's a winner right there. That's three touchdowns. I mean, all you had to do was listen to Uncle Eric. And he was going to let you take your old lady out to get some nice dinner and maybe a cocktail after. That's New Year's Eve money. New Year's easy. Easy, easy, easy. So pay attention, Monkey Knife Fight. We, we've been pretty good about posting our picks, and our picks have been pretty good. MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Also, our friends over at Ray's Energy, they've got a BOGO sale coming up, guys. For New Year's Eve, get the Ray's. They've had the 25 days of Ray's-mas. Now they've got a BOGO for New Year's Eve. Get your, your started off right with Ray's Energy. It's a lifestyle, no crash, no sugar. It's They've got the sleep supplements, the energy drinks, the pre-workout, the protein pancakes, the protein cakes, bottles, shirts, stickers. It's all there. 15% off every order, code ROOT4, R-O-O-T, number four, repsports.com, code ROOT4. You know, it really sounds like a lifestyle. It is. That's what you're talking about. It really stuff. is. Big fan of the Rays. Buy one, get one free, and get 15% off that order. And if you love Rays but don't love caffeine, just hit the sleep supplement. Yeah. It's all there. It works. That's how that works, right? Caffeine and sleep supplement puts it right out. Yeah, definitely. As long as you take the sleep supplement after the Rays. Yeah. That's not FDA approved, but that is Ramsey approved. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so with that Who's said. Who's the FDA? Bunch of nerds, you ask me. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of nerds. That's right. <laughs> so with that, we get into what we had rooted for in the last week. That's sponsored by Fanatics, whether you're on top of the world, getting that NFL playoff gear right now for Packers and other teams out there that we don't want to really talk about that much. Or maybe you're kind of on some hard times, but you're still loving your team. Show your love for your team with hashtag loveonfanatics.com, over 300-plus powered stores. Rams, if I may go first. Yeah, go ahead. I don't for. think I'm really rude for anything. Obviously, the Packers. Is there anything else going on right now? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because there are two Green Bay Phoenix alums who are guaranteed to play in the NBA or have a guaranteed NBA contract for the rest of the season. Who is that, Eric? That would be Alphonse McKinney, who has had now two 10-day deals with the Chicago Bulls. Even after their COVID hardship that they've had, that was his first deal. Kept him on for a second 10-day. What they do after that? He's still performing. He's still a good fit with the team. Multi-year deal. Through at least the end of the season and years after that. And that's one of the hottest teams in basketball right now. Chicago Bulls are, they have a lot of star power. They needed a depth 3 and D guy. They got that in Alphonso McKinney. He's played on some championship type teams. He's played for the Raptors. He's played for the Warriors. He's played for the Lakers. 
Was he on the championship roster for the Lakers? He wasn't on the championship roster for any of those three. But he was there the year after they won. He was there for the Golden State loss to the Raptors. And he was on the Raptors the year before that. So he literally just missed out on a ring. Missed out on three rings now. But he's still a very important player. They're, They're signing him for these roles. They're not waving him. He's getting good minutes. He's making the most of these minutes. Coming from a guy who had to pay to go to a G League tryout. Right. Isn't it crazy that how little love those guys got coming out of Green Bay? And then there's Kiefer Sykes. Kiefer is a great person, by the way. One of my favorite stories to have ever gotten to cover. He was a senior at Green Bay my freshman year. But, just, you know, he really put Green Bay basketball on the map for his four years. Back on the map, I should say. You know, you got the Tony Bennett era and the Jeff Norgard. Who? Yeah, Who? Doesn't even matter. It's not Kiefer. But Kiefer Sykes, the listed six foot guard, he's actually listed as 5'11 in the NBA now. I was about to say, there's, uh, he's probably not 5'11. 5'11 guard who can float. And when he left Green Bay, very renowned. He was kind of a, an end of second round, really kind of an end of first round, some, some second round projections. Ended up not getting drafted. Played a season in the G League with the Austin Spurs, the Spurs uh, G League team. Was the last ca- cut out of Spurs camp. Played a pretty good year with the Spurs. Decided to bet on himself, went overseas. He's played in five continents that he's been in. So basically everywhere except Antarctica, I think South America? No, Af- I think Africa. I think Africa is one he has seven played. continents. Right? There is seven. That's great. Great geography, wow. Ramsey. I went to Surrey and I still got that one right. <laughs> but we don't count Antarctica because there's nothing there. So really there's six. No, there's seven. Antarctica's no continent. It is, but there's no... You can't just not count it. Metallica did a concert there. They, that's true. Fair enough. I'll concede. So with that in mind, he's played in five continents. He bet on himself, played in these overseas leagues, did a summer league stint, and he also he's done a couple summer league stints. He did one with the Cavaliers uh, two seasons ago. And then he came back. He played in the basketball tournament this summer, the TBT. Played with Syracuse Army. Lit it up in the championship. Well, really throughout the whole tournament. But the championship game hit the million-dollar shot for the uh, Team Syracuse team, or Bayheim's Army. That's what they were called. And he didn't go to Syracuse. So I don't know how he ended up there, but good for him. Had some connection there. Lit it up for them. Got the dub. In the basketball tournament, got a summer league spot, was one of the last cuts out of Pacers camp, immediately signed to the G League team, averaged about 13 a game, including in the G League showcase last week, at 26 in the Mad Ants when I can't even remember who they played, but they killed both teams that they played in that tournament. The Mad Ants. Fort Wayne Mad Ants. And they decided to waive whoever Brad Wanamaker is. Sorry, Brad. Not focused on this show. Former Celtic. Former Celtic, thank you. And now former Pacer, because he got waived for Keeper Sykes. What a bum. I, I agree. What a bum, taking up Keeper's spot. So Keeper gets his first stint in the NBA, which is long overdue. I don't usually say that people deserve things, especially when it comes to sports. Uh, don't usually say people deserve things, but if anyone's deserved an NBA spot, it's Keeper Sykes. The and, problem is, when he came out for the draft... I mean, and I'm not a huge University of Wisconsin Green Bay. I went and saw Kiefer play live a couple times. And at that point, he was by far the best player on the court. At any time. At any time. 
and he, in my opinion, didn't get drafted because he was about six inches too short. Probably about three or four, but if he was six three, six four, six four, six five instead of five eleven, right? He's drafted. He's probably playing this entire time, right? And just because the guy was short, he I think he got overlooked a little bit. Hundred percent. And, and he went to a mid major. He went to a mid major and he was short. And it, it's just a shame because I, he was he's one of the more impressive basketball players I've ever seen play live. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just a joy. And I'm I happy wholeheartedly to see him. agree with that too. And that's no bias being my alma mater too, but no bias there. Just an impressive athlete. Just there's that image of him dunking over Frank Kaminsky. Yeah, and I mean he a smaller guard. But he doesn't play small, which is no. He play. He'll play all ninety four feet of the court. Yep. He's got a really good three point shot. He, like I said, he the dude float. He's got vision. He's fast. He's fast. He plays aggressive D, and the, like I said, the dude just floats. Watch his. He's five eleven. Watch him jump. Watch him dunk. I, and he's probably shorter than five eleven. Well, probably. that's the thing. That's the thing. Like, and it's not like we're. They were saying, oh, he's 5'11", and he's really a 6'2". No, it's probably closer to... Like 5'9". 5'9", 5'10", versus 6'4". That's sports. That's sports. So it's just it's impressive to watch him play. Yeah, so go once you're done listening to this podcast, or take a break, come back to it. It helps us out if you listen twice. Yeah. Go check out Kiefer Sykes mixtapes on, sure on YouTube. Yeah, make sure to come back. We have a lot to talk about. Ramsey, what was your route for this week? I mean, I guess the Packers. I didn't really have really anything else. I mean, it's kind of a outside of the NFL and NBA. It was a pretty quiet week for the most part. And yeah, that's true. I'll give you that. Watched a little NBA on Christmas, which was kind of the it, start of the NBA season. Entertaining, if we're being yeah. Being honest, it's good to be. It's fun to watch the NBA again. So with that, we'll go from the positives to the negatives. Tyler here, Nugget of the Week, and and really. You know, it's Christmas time. It's really hard to be negative. We're in the holiday season. We're in that awkward week of Christmas to New Year's. So it's really hard to be negative. Your hearts are full of love and, and stuff, but I'm going to give a nugget to Tom Rinaldi. Not that Tom Rinaldi did anything. Tom Rinaldi is incredible at his job. But Tom Rinaldi on Christmas Day made a video package and a story on Aaron Jones' loss of his father and how he plays with that pendant of the ashes, and he's got sewn of the jersey, and the time that he lost him in the first game against the Lions at home, um, and, and the training staff had gone out and searched for hours after the game to find it, they found the pendant, and then they sewed the pocket in his jersey so he could always have it in the jersey. Heartwarming story. And then they gave him a pair of, of signature cleats uh, with his foundation on it. Him and his brother have a foundation and then a picture of his father um, in the clouds, always watching with him, always looking over him. Um, so really nothing wrong about the star. Just, it's so sad. Dude, it's Christmas Day. The Packers are about to play. I'm sitting here trying to get amped up for a game, and homies make me cry. And here we are, Christmas Day. It's supposed to be happiness. and I mean, it's still love, but it's like, dude, maybe that's a Sunday day after Christmas special. Maybe that's a, a, maybe a New Year's Day or maybe just release it on a random Tuesday. Yeah, not Christmas, man. Not Christmas. Sitting here trying to have a couple drinks with the family, watch the Packers, and sitting here, oh, man. So Tom Rinaldi and, and Fox Sports, nothing wrong about what you did. But come on, man, it's Christmas. Ramsey, you got a couple? 
I got a couple, and I I've been kind of listening to some national shows over the last few days here, and there's a little bit of some narratives that I would like to discuss from national media. One of the stories in national media is that the Packers have some concern with not closing teams out. They have okay. a plus fifty nine point differential versus so plus minus they're up fifty nine points on the year over they their have scored fifty nine points more more than, than the in total opponent right. So and, like this weekend they went twenty four to twenty two plus two. Right, exactly. So that's how that works. So what the plus 59 tells you is that it's kind of been a lot of close games all season. And that includes they got blown out with 30 to 3 in that opener. Correct. So that's really, I mean, that really shouldn't be even that close, for being honest. So, but we'll go back to it. And I would like to, does the Packers run defense concern me a little bit? I would say, I would say minimally, honestly. If, If we're being honest, the Packers run defense they got gashed this week. They had four guys go on the COVID list day of the game when we were doing our pregame show for the radio station. So that's, they're literally calling guys from home saying, hey, we need you to play today because so-and-so tested negative. Kevin King, one of those guys. So they're calling people from that's home. That's probably what we want, actually. Um, to say, hey, come, come play. We need you. So that's, that's one factor. The other factor, I'm really not concerned. Cleveland still has the best-rated offensive line this year with one of the top five running backs in the league. So that's kind of where I was going to go with this. And there's a little bit of a national story talking about the point differential for the Packers and how that's room for concern. And I would say, yeah, that's probably has a place for concern. If you look at the NFC and you go, wow, there's a lot of real run heavy first teams. There's not. And you also have to remember that the Green Bay Packers, if you look at their schedule, it's a first place schedule, and you are playing the NFC North and the what the AFC or NFC a- West. NFC North, NFC West, AFC North. And so we played the 49ers, who, as of the Jimmy Garoppolo injury earlier this week, is arguably one of the better teams in the league right now. Definitely Since the hottest. They have a win the over Cincinnati. They have a win over Baltimore and Cleveland, who both those teams were kind of in must win situations. They're Aaron Rodgers away from are winning against Kansas City in Kansas City. And people are like, oh, well, they're not closing teams out. And it's like, yeah, but they're also not playing bad teams. No, they have, they had, if I'm not mistaken, either the second toughest schedule or the first toughest schedule in the NFL this year. And they've and, swept the NFC West, they swept the NFC or AFC North. Right. The AFC or the NFC West is probably the toughest division in football right now. Definitely the most competitive. Yeah, they have a win over San Francisco and Arizona, and let's and the Rams and the Rams and, and the Seahawks. And let's let's call a spade a spade. The AFC North, while probably not that great overall, I mean all the teams are pretty close and just over five hundred. That division's beating up on each other right now. They they beat the the Steelers, who are still in contention. Right. They beat the Browns now. Uh, who are very much still kind of in conversation. They beat the Ravens, who you can say a backup core, but I don't give a shit. Well, at this point, though, we're talking Cleveland and we're talking Baltimore, who are two must-win situations. Yeah, definitely. Not that their season was a must-win for that game specifically, 
but they're pretty they're a desperate football team. And I believe if you go back a few episodes towards the beginning of the season, I was very adamant in saying I personally believe Cleveland has probably one of the best rosters in football. Mm-hmm. And sure, did Nick Chubb gash a little bit? Yeah, it happens. But I don't think that game was overly close. Can we, let's take a second with this, too, on that note. We're going to talk more Packers. We'll probably break the game down a little bit more later in the episode. But the one thing I think kind of bothers me, because I, I know I even thought it for a second, too, is, man, if we don't get these four interceptions, we don't win this game. I don't like that narrative either. For the reason being that, aside from maybe the first one, the Baker throws up and Darnell Savage picks off at midfield. But that was double coverage. Well, yeah. Th- this isn't about Baker Mayfield being good. This is about the fact that the Packers did enough to get stopped. You just got stops. And it's basically like a punt. Right. With a pretty decent return most of the time. So, yes, they're not forcing a punt. They're not getting to fourth down. But really, it's not that much of a difference either. No. So, I don't I don't like that aspect. Because, like I said, I thought it for a second. I'm like, oh, well, it's a little concerning. We've made them punt once. But at the same time, they threw four. They got four. They got five stops. Yes, but it goes back to the other hand too. You can't necessarily fault Green Bay for Baker throwing interceptions. No, that and means your defensive say, coordinator had a good scheme. Say what you will about the last or school Douglas interception. They were not calling that pass interference all, all day. That that was not being called. So was it? Yeah, probably. I mean, there was a little bit of grabbing, but it's not. It's not like that was being called up to that point. Right. Um, I would like to also say uh, also a national narrative is how the Dallas Cowboys are a Super Bowl team. Oh, I hate this too. So the other side of the Packers coin, Dallas is playing a third-place schedule. They are not beating teams that are considered good teams. Sure, they blew out Washington. They look good. Washington's been a disaster. Their best win so far this year is probably, I, I guess their best even game this year, they say is arguably probably the loss to Tampa Bay week one. Yeah, they look good that game. I'll give them that. But the rest of it is a lot of average teams that you're beating. Games that you should be winning. And there are some games this year, Kansas City, Denver, well, let's let's look here. I pull, I pull up their schedule. Right. They beat the Buccan or they lose to the Buccaneers by two points week one, which Tampa Bay was the better team. Right. Uh, they beat the Chargers, who we have no idea what they really are. You, if you remember that game as well, Sandy or the Los Angeles Chargers had two touchdowns called back for taunting. Right. So they they win that game twenty to seventeen. That should have been a loss. Probably should have been a loss. They should be zero and two. They go, they beat the crap out of the Eagles, who before they really figured anything out in general. Right. 41-21. They skate by the Panthers, 36-28. Right. They do a pretty good job beating up on, on the Giants, which they, they should. should. They squeak by the Patriots in overtime, 35-29. Barely get by Minnesota. Get killed by the Broncos. And this is after the Broncos skid, too, or right as it started, or right, right. the last part of their skid. So they get killed by the Broncos 30-16. They kill the Cowboys or the Falcons 43-3. They, they, they don't show up for the Chiefs game. And arguably at that point, Kansas City was not considered a great team. No. 
They barely get by Kansas City. Or they don't get by Kansas City. They lose to the Raiders in back-to-back weeks. Which, on Thanksgiving, which they look like dog shit in that game, too. And then they skate by the Saints, and then they they have beat Washington. They beat um, they beat Washington 27-20, when Washington still kind of had something to play for. I mean, not that they did, but they win 21-6 to over the Giants, again, that they should, and they beat the Cowboys. Now they have... So, their last two games of the season, they've got the Cardinals this week, a 325 game on Fox. They are a five and a half point favorite on that game. And yes, the Cardinals are kind of skidding right now. Give me the Cardinals at home. It, it's in Dallas. Oh. But still. Okay. Still, they are playing for something. They just they finally lost their firm hold of the division this week. Give me the Cardinals in that game. And then they go to Philadelphia for that last game of the regular season, which, which anything and, can happen that game. And that's so, say what you will about that. I would guess at that point, Green Bay has a game lead over Dallas. They have a game lead over Dallas now. And I would guess Arizona's going to be pretty hungry. Arizona's probably going to look pretty good on Sunday. And Philadelphia is going to be a borderline playoff team. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a must-win game for Philadelphia. So we're talking about the Dallas Cowboys as if they are... A good team. They're a good team. They're, I don't think they're a suitable team. No, they are. The, they they have, are a number two seed team. They have some major flaws that I don't think I could trust going forward, starting with Mike McCarthy. I think we all can agree that Mike McCarthy's clock management is something that you have to be overly concerned about. I think that Dak Prescott's quarterback talent is good against average defenses. But if you look at all the really solid defenses that they've played so far this year, mm-hmm. being mainly Kansas City, who's one of the best defenses in the league since that game, Kansas City, Denver, and the Las Vegas Raiders, those are three of the better defenses that they've played, and they haven't been competitive in those games. No. So we have an issue of a quarterback who is more of a – you have to pull Dak a little bit versus Dak pulling you. You have a defense who is super heavily reliant on getting turnovers, which so far this year they've been able to generate. But where's the super great quarterback play you've also seen in their schedule? I'm going to be honest. Looking at their season, I think their best wins. I mean, obviously, that Patriot win is a good win. Right. The Buccaneers loss, is I'd consider a good loss. Right. And then the Panthers at the time was a good win. It's not now. Right. But at the time, the Panthers' defense was really was firing on all cylinders. I think that's actually when they started their skid, maybe. Yeah, it's not too long after they started their skid because they were they opened up at, what, 3-0 or 2-0, something like that, too, and then they went I believe they cold. were 3-0. And and then... So that would have been their first loss. And they that was a six or an eight-point game in the beginning of our first week of October. But regardless, we're looking at a team that has is getting a lot of publicity for beating the Washington football team. And they look dominant over the football team. Congratulations. Like, you let's, beat a team with no name. Let's, let's, let's step back for a second. Let's go and play some of the big boys and play some solid defenses, and then let's see what this team really is. Yeah, and you know, taking a look at the NFC standings, and, and I, I'm not saying this is going to happen. So right now, your NFL or NFC playoff picture, you've got Green Bay number one, Dallas two, 
Rams three, Tampa Bay four, and really that's all on tiebreakers. They all have an, the second, third, and fourth teams all have eleven and four record right now. The Cardinals are locked in at number five, so they're going to be a team in the playoffs. Right. All the divisions except the West are clinched right now, and we'll see how that West division shakes up. But it's going to be the Cardinals or the Rams. The 49ers, probably not, but they're the sixth seed right now. Minnesota's the seventh seed. Or excuse me, Philadelphia's the seventh seed. Minnesota's on the outside looking in at the eight. So all these wins that we've kind of rattled off here for them, even the Panthers, the Panthers are eliminated as of this week. The Panthers are the first or the last team that's not eliminated, or the first team that is eliminated or the most recent the Washington football team is the first team that's not eliminated from just how that division shakes out or right. how the wild card in the East shakes or the NFC shakes out. So you have, in the NFL, there's 24 teams that are still eligible for playoffs right now of 32. There's 11 in the NFC. So not as necessarily equal as the AFC is, but still pretty weak towards that bottom tier. Right. Because really... You go from 12 and 3, 11 and 4, 11 and 4, 11 and 4 to 10 and 5, 8 and 7, 8 and 7, 7 and 8 to get to the 8. It starts in a lot of average. So you look at these wins. They have got two wins over the 6 and 9 football team. They've got a win over the 7 and 8 Saints. They've got a win over the 7 and 8 Falcons. Two wins or one win over the 8 and 7 Eagles. Two wins over the Giants, and they beat the five and ten Panthers. So beaten cool. up on a lot of average teams. Cool. And that's something that. It, so whoever the Dallas fan is in your life, and they want to talk, oh look at them boys. How about them boys? Just we remind them, them boys. they have not beat anyone decent this year, and every decent team they've played, they've got blown out. I, I, with the exception of the Patriots. I, I'll give them that win against the Patriots. But that's also going against a rookie quarterback in his first game in primetime. I mean, that's not... Th- right. That's a solid win, but that was also in overtime. That's mm-hmm. not like you went to Foxborough and beat the Patriots and just boat ran them out of the house like they probably should have. This Dallas team is not what everyone's going to try to tell you they are. No, especially with there only being one seed in the NFC or the the first round bye for one team. I could realistically see them facing a 49ers team or an Eagles team. They could go against the Eagles back to back weeks potentially. And I you know or a Minnesota team that sneaks in. And I wouldn't necessarily take either the Minnesota or Eagles team, but I bet you that game's close. Yeah, or like I said, they could play this, the Niners, depending on how this. And then give me the that, Niners. That wild card all shakes out. Arguably, they have the better quarterback, the better coach, the better defense, the better offensive line. Like that, when you have all those things start piling up, let's just take a step back on the Cowboys. Definitely. So with that, I had one more. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Unless you want to move no, on. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So I'm going to do something that I've never done before. I'm excited now. I'm glad I let you do this. Something that I've never done on the show. Something that Eric is probably going to not like when I say it right initially. I'm sweating a little bit here. This is, but you got to hear me out. Okay, let's hear it. The Lakers' problem is not Russell Westbrook. I'm a little angry. Let's hear it, though. 
The Lakers' problem is not Russell Westbrook. The Lakers' problem is Anthony Davis. I'm intrigued where you're going with it. I'm not angry anymore. But I'm intrigued where you're Russell going. Russell Westbrook, when they brought Russell Westbrook in, you can listen to our show. You can go back whenever that was. That was what, probably middle of the summer. I August. Believe, I talked about the Russell Westbrook acquisition for the Los Angeles Lakers. And what I said, probably their main idea was, was that LeBron is getting older and Anthony Davis is brittle. You need someone that's going to fill minutes in the middle of games. You need right. someone that's going to get up and play full minutes on a random Tuesday in Portland. Yeah. Russell Westbrook so far this year has played every single game and is averaging 36 minutes a game. Okay. I believe he's averaging 28 and 8 right now. And the issue is that people are expecting Russell Westbrook to be something that he's not. Russell Westbrook is never a great volume shooter. He's never been a super efficient player, per se. However, Russell Westbrook's strengths is that he is hyper-athletic and he's always available. So say what you will about him, he hasn't been the issue so far. It's the fact that Anthony Davis is now injured again, playing in L.A., and that he can't stay healthy. He also refuses to play the five. He has been overly soft. We watched that Brooklyn game on Saturday night after the Packers. Mm -hmm. I watched that game, and I go, okay, Russell Westbrook isn't the player that I would necessarily want on my team at this point. I'm going to go very much on record. I still don't like the acquisition for the Lakers. He's definitely not the problem, but he's not the solution either. Okay, but uh, you still need someone to fill minutes. You do, and and and, and that's for that, that purpose. I wholeheartedly agree. He has a very good role on the team, and he's a decent defender. Decent. He's not yeah. great. He has issues at times, but he's a decent defender. He fills minutes. He f- fills a stat chart. If you have a guy who's averaging twenty-eight and eight, that's not necessarily the problem i think the lakers need to be realistic with themselves and look in the mirror and go hmm the who's the issue here the superstar that's not playing or the superstar that's playing 36 minutes a game so take that with what you will the roster that la has also has some other major flaws to it that they don't shoot the ball overly well and they're the oldest roster in the league, and they haven't been playing defense because they're the oldest, one of the oldest rosters in the league. Right. So the Lakers have a lot of issues. I would say it is not fair, though, to blame all these issues on Russell Westbrook. It's, I'll, I'll concede. I'll give you that. I will say I didn't like it when they got him. I don't think he's a good fit on this roster. But he, for the reason that you said that they got him, he makes sense. But I still... If you're the Lakers, I don't think I think you can probably get something back for him. And I think if you can get somebody who's younger, who's going to play those same minutes, and maybe shoot a little bit better, I think if you can get that back in a trade, go for it. But I definitely don't. I definitely would agree with you. He's not the problem. But I tell you what, that's not but, the piece I'd move. Is it Anthony Davis? I would move Anthony Davis. You can't rely on him being healthy when he has been healthy this year. He has one of the worst jump shooting percentages in the league. I believe he's shooting 14% from three. We are talking about a 
seven footer who doesn't want to play big minutes because he's worried about getting injured. And that's fine if you're winning. Like if you're winning and you don't want to play center and you don't want to beat and bang with everyone down in the paint, I get that it's a long season. But we also can't we the issue, like I said, at this point it's not Russ Westbrook. And even when Anthony Davis has been on the field or on the court, it's not been Russell Westbrook that's the problem. Russell Westbrook is doing what Russell Westbrook does. Like I said, he's say not, what you will about that. He's but. not my kind of player. He's not your kind of player, there, Eric. But I can say fairly confidently that if you're a Los Angeles Lakers front office, I understand that you obviously don't want to make waves and move Anthony Davis due to his representation with LeBron James. But at this point, if you're seriously committed to winning, you should move Anthony Davis. I'll concede that. I'll give you that. I'm not going to argue because I this I didn't really realize first of all he was hurt again. I probably should have known that, but it's a little I paid attention to the NBA. So I guess we can hit a quick Bucks report here too. What the Bucks going on in Milwaukee? Uh, Bucks won on Christmas Day. That was pretty cool. Um, came back. They were down. Came back down eighteen. Eighteen and what the second quarter? Yeah, and came back. Um, Wes Matthews. So glad he's back. I love, I love Wes, Wes Matthews. Matthews. And so glad he's back. And what a shot from him, that spot-up three with, what, 30 seconds to go or whatever it was, or a minute left to go. Probably one of the most underrated players in the league. Definitely. Wes Matthews has been doing what he was doing in Milwaukee for about, I don't know, 15 years. Has he been in the league that long? It seems like that. It seems like that. It's probably been closer to 10, 10, 12. 10, probably 10 years. But still. Um, no, I love Wes Matthews. Marquette product, by the way. Hard, hard playing guard. Kind of what Paul George Light, pretty much. Yeah. Paul George Light. Well, let's think about this. I, I know this would, my friend Kyle, our friend Kyle. Ha. I don't know if he listens to the, the, the podcast. I hope he does, because I'm going to shut him out here. He would get so pissed. We'd play some NBA 2K back in high school. NBA 2K13, NBA 2K12. Back in the day. And Wes Matthews was that unguardable. That Portland Trailblazers team that I would put together. And that's when right when Dame came in the league. So Dame was a rookie. You had to go put him in. He wasn't in the starting five originally. You put in Dame. You've got Wes Matthews. You've got Nick Batum. You've got LaMarcus Aldridge. Whoever you want to put at center. Robin Lopez. Whoever. That's a great starting five. Especially That's a great video game starting five. How do you defend that? You don't. Especially in... So for you youngins who... Don't remember 2K12, or you old people that also don't remember 2K12. <laughs> that was kind of before the transition to the three-point shooting league you have now. So the roster that Eric was using at that point was way ahead of where the game was. Mm-hmm. And the game didn't really know how to defend four three-point shooters. And yeah. one of those guys was always open. Well, and in Ramsey, even you, I mean, I, there, I can recall, I don't remember exactly when, but there was one time you and I were hanging out playing Xbox, and you weren't mad because you don't get mad at video games, at least not when you're playing me in 2K, but I could, you could see the frustration next to you. Like, you couldn't How stop do you defend it. this? You can't. Because I think, I think if I remember correctly, either you were either the Warriors or the Heat, and you were just like, dude, what? How? I actually played a lot with Cleveland back in the day, too, because they had the same kind of Kyrie Irving and Deion Waiters, and there was a, not, who else was on it? There's another guy in that team that was kind of very mm-hmm. similar to that, 
and it was really hard to ISO with Kyrie and clear the lane out, and someone was always open for. Mm-hmm. So. You know it. So that's our what the Bucks. Um, they well, they've won since then too, haven't they? They played again after Christmas Day. They play. I feel like I should probably have this more prepared. They play tonight against the, the Magic. Um, so let's take a look at the Bucks schedule. The Bucks won against the, nope. The Christmas Day game is their last game. They before that they pounded the Mavericks and they pounded the Rockets. Um, last week, so this Wednesday of last week, Thursday of last, they played a back to back. Houston, Dallas, uh, beat the Rockets by twenty. Beat the Mavs by seven. Is my quick sports math. And so, then that big Christmas Day win against the Celtics at home. Um, which also another note on that. So again, big, you know, big shot from Wes Matthews. And then my other favorite moment of the game that really I thought was obviously the whole, like the comeback Giannis was incredible in prime time as he has been for a year and a half now, two yeah, years playing big minutes and big games. The other favorite moment I have is so eight seconds left. There's that review on, I believe it was a block to determine possession and shot clock. And you see Boogie Cousins and Drew Holiday on the bench doing the Cupid Shuffle. Or the, no, the, yeah. No, not Cupid Shuffle, the cha-cha slide. I'm happy Boogie Cousins is here. I was a little uh, on edge about it when the signing happened, but I'm glad that he's here now. And even, even like, for contribution-wise, I mean, he still hasn't been that great. I mean, he, Christmas Day, played 17 minutes. He had... Nine points and was minus five for the game, which when you win by four, it's gonna have you're gonna have guys who start in our minus right. minutes. Um, not Chris Middleton, Chris Middleton was plus 21, and uh, Drew Hot is plus 19. Again, probably the unsung hero of this whole big three. But just the fact him and Drew are sitting there on the bench, eight seconds left, they're up four and doing the cha cha slide. I love that. So, no issue with him, at least in chemistry wise. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo's back in, in the fold of things, kind of working him in slowly here. Three points plus 13 on Christmas Day. How about, I know this is your guy, Grayson Allen, playing big minutes on Christmas Day as well. And you wouldn't see, you wouldn't think that based on his, he played 26 minutes, he had two points, and they were both came from the free throw line, he was minus four. His defense, though, is... He fills, a, he fills minutes, too. He fills such a big role that you don't have to rely on Pat Connaughton to play those minutes. You don't have to rely on George Hill to play those minutes. And now that DiVincenzo's back in the fold, here's your, I mean, you're, you're 10 deep right now. Your starting five was Giannis, Middleton, Cousins, Holiday, Allen. Then you have on the bench Bobby Portis, who had 16. George Hill, Pat Connaughton, Dante DiVincenzo, and Wes Matthews. And you still don't have Brooke Lopez back yet. Well, and, you know, I think that we, if you go back to some of the finals episodes or when we bashed the Bucks for, what, there was a like two-week stretch where we just bashed the Bucks. Yeah, our bad. One of our, <laughs> well, I mean, that's not even really our bad. As what No, we, I stand by it at the time. The what, reactionary element of it, I stand by it. What we do is we react to what we see. So if some of these takes always look bad later because. Yeah, freezing you, cold takes for sure. But it's going to happen. So I don't even apologize for that. It was, at the time, I was mad. Oh, definitely. 
but that was one of our criticisms of the Bucks is that they had a deep bench, but they weren't necessarily using it. Mm-hmm. And you saw some of the guys wearing down a little bit, and that was a cause for concern. But so if they're running, they're running what probably twelve deep this year. This is the list of guys who didn't play for coach's decision. They didn't play. They didn't fit in the game plan. Jordan Narawa, who has been a solid player yeah. all year. Yep. Rodney Hood, who is a very solid NBA player. Right. Um, a guy's name I'm not even getting pronounced, but he's played good. Elijah, Elijah, I don't know. Giannis's brother, which I'm Thanasis, didn't play. So they're ten deep without Brooke Lopez and having Jordan Arawa and Rodney Hood and Thanasis not playing. Which Rodney Hood and obviously Brooke Lopez, just those two guys alone are borderline starters on some teams in the NBA right now. Well, so here's so Rodney Hood, and I, I'm just kind of curious what he's been doing. He's averaged 3.6 this year, 2.2 rebounds, an eighth of an assist with a performance uh, or with a PER of 7.3, which not starter quality. And He in, was at one point. He I was, guess. and and he's playing on a team that he doesn't have to be. Right. He's not expected to be. I don't even know the last time he's got. I think the last time he played was Orlando. Oh no, that's that's preview tonight. Was it that's Utah? He played against, or the last time he played for the Bucks, he got sixteen minutes against Dallas on the second half of a back to back. Did not score. He played against the Houston Rockets. He had twenty two minutes in that game. He scored five. His big game of the season came against the Knicks. In New York on December twelfth, he scored fourteen. But you have that laying there. You have that guy. And he's not even playing for you right now. Right. He's playing, in, or I mean, he's he's not injured, so it's not like a, an injury. Just isn't playing. He's just not factored in the rotation right, right. now. So, very. I mean, I know we had our concerns about this team coming out. You know, not concerns. I I think they're definitely built to be in contention to repeat. I don't want to say they're guaranteed to because that Nets team is still the Nets, and. Is Kyrie going to play? The Bulls are kind of a young upstart team. I think they're a couple years away, but they've got the pieces. So I don't see. think the Bulls are designed to win playoff basketball. Probably not. They're designed to win regular season they're games. They're designed and, to win regular season games. And so put really themselves in the conversation. It. Yep. But as a whole, still an upstart team you got to worry about. Um, say what you will about the Celtics and the 76ers. They're kind of in that middle of teams that can win a playoff series or two, probably won't win a championship, but are in the conversation. You've got the Hawks laying around yet, too. Give me the Bucks over most of those teams, though. The only thing the only thing that's probably competitive with them right now is Brooklyn. Yeah. Brooklyn doesn't overly scare me, because like I said, is Kyrie going to play this year? James Harden hasn't looked as good as he has. And Kevin since, Durant's been hurt and had COVID now, too. And since they've kind of changed those um, foul rules, it's really affected James's game a little bit. He's not going to the free throw line near as much. And really even watching the Knicks or the Nets on Sunday, they go into a lot of this really bad ISO offense with James Harden. And that's not something that would really concern me when they start playing better teams. Right. Such so, as Milwaukee. 
so with that, like I said, just, it's still a little too early for NBA for me. But that's what's going on with the Bucks. That's what the Bucks going on in Milwaukee. Transitioning over to the Badgers world, Justin's not here, uh, so we might as well talk about them. But they because they have a bowl game coming up, the Badger basketball team has not played in about close to two weeks. They've had the finals breaks and then now COVID outbreaks and and whatnot with their program. Uh, so obviously, hope they recover. As Pat McAfee shows today, I hope they survive. Kick COVID's butt. They'll be all right. But just a little off time for them. We look at the Badger football team, though. Badger football, six-point favorite in the Las Vegas Bowl against Arizona State. 9.30 p.m. kickoff, local time here. Gross. Thursday night. Badgers are, like I said, six-point favorite. The... Power football or the FPI for ESPN has them as a 61.5% chance of winning that game. I really don't know what to make of this game. I think if Wisconsin, I mean, they have most of their guys playing. I, to my knowledge, I don't think anybody other than Colin Wilder is missing time. And he had that neck injury against the, uh, the Gophers, which seems like forever ago. It's been you know, three, four weeks. Who are the Gophers? I know. Um, but minus 230 money line for the Badgers to get the job done out in Vegas. I don't know a whole lot about Arizona State. They're 8-4, and four, just like the Badgers were. They scored 29.7 or 29.7 points per game. I don't see that happening. They gained 402.1 yards, most of that pretty balanced attack, 197.6 through the air. 204 on the ground. I don't see that happening. What's the over-under on that, fam? Over-under is 41. <laughs> so for a six-point win for the Badgers, you're looking at, what, 20, 22 to 17 to hit the over? I'll take the under on the And that 41. wouldn't even be the spread. That wouldn't even be the spread. That'd be, uh, you'd be looking at 22, or 21 to, or 22 to 16. I think math comes out 22-16 game. Give me the Badgers and give me the under. Uh, Arizona State's last five. They lost to Arizona, or they beat Arizona 38-15. They lost 24-10 against Oregon State. They won 35-30 over Washington, won 31-16 over USC, and lost to Justin's Washington State Cougars 34-21 on Halloween Eve. Give me the Badgers. I'm not scared of no uh, West Coast team. Not an average West Coast team either. Like, this is a a very much an average game that if I was going down to the sports book at Oneida, I'd probably put my money on the Badgers. I'd probably, I'd probably cover that under, too, because I don't see them coming out and just boat racing Arizona State as much as I want to see it. I think they'll win. I'll think they'll cover. I think that... Arizona State will not score 16 points. I don't think so. I really, unless some major issue happens, and I, I'm obviously hoping the game does happen. We've seen how many college games now getting canceled with COVID outbreaks. But give me the Badgers. Give me that money line. Defense looks like, I mean, they're they're tuned up. They've got a month off of just chomping at the bit. Right. They've got guys who could be, you know, playing for draft spots or playing to come back for next year to be even better. They've got the set. Did you know that they're running back seventeen years old, Braylon Allen? You know he's seventeen. 
I heard they're tight end. This one's grandson. Yeah, he's Barry Alvarez's grandson. Oh, really? I never thought that. Never. I never knew that till like yesterday. Hey, well, how about the seventeen-year-old running back? Yeah, he's seventeen. I guess. I, I guess I've I've heard that somewhere. I wasn't. I don't really remember <laughs> where I heard that at. So yeah, give give me the Badgers. I mean, I, I, this is where Justin comes in because he he probably would have done a scouting report on Arizona State. He'd have a lot more to say about the Badgers, and this is really. I mean. I almost worry about the Badgers kind of going out and laying an egg like they did against in kind of their primetime games this year against Penn State, against Notre Dame, against Michigan. But for the most, I, I just can't see them. I mean, if you really think about it, though, you, we just talked about the losses, right? Right. Michigan, championship four yep. team. Penn State, really good Playing team. in a big bowl game. Playing in the New Year's Day Bowl. Michigan State. They didn't play Michigan. Um, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Borderline college football team. College football Number playoff team. Number five team in the country. So really their losses look a little better than they did at the time. Except maybe that Minnesota game. Even Minnesota, though, with P.J. Flack rivalry game. Sometimes those just don't go your way. Right. So, I mean, they've looked bad at times, especially offensively. Um, that said, you know, looking at the Arizona State Sun Devils, Defense, I'm not scared of their defense by any means. I mean, looking at what they give up, they allow 329 yards total, 199 through the air, 129 on the ground. So it's not a great... Braylon Allen is going to run anywhere he wants to. Yes. So I would, I would guess that they're going to have some issues with Braylon Allen. And he's only 17 years old. The 17, He should be playing in the state championship game, not the... Not this Las, uh, Las Vegas, Vegas Bowl. Bowl the SRS distribution Las Vegas Bowl. So with that, Ramsey, that's some... So with that, I guess we can maybe start some some radar picks here. I guess we could. Looking at the college football bowl game scene, we'll start with that. Um, I, I really John sh- Madden dies at 85? What? So as we're sitting here watching the... the was it Mississippi State-Texas Tech game... Um, we just got news that John Madden has passed away at 85. Yeah, multiple outlets, including the NFL, confirming that John Madden, who did have that, I didn't get a chance to watch it, but that documentary on before the Packer game on Fox, has passed away unexpectedly at the age of 85. What an incredible, I mean, not to change this episode too, too much, but you have to, right? I mean, I think we're going to be one of the first podcasts talking about it. So, so talk about a guy who spanned three generations of people. Probably more than that, Eric. The head coach in the seventies, the broadcaster, eighties and nineties, early two thousands, right? And then obviously John Madden video game, right? Um, the voice of the NFL for so long. He was the original. I mean, he's better than Troy Aikman. That's for damn sure. Ugh. But. That was his role. That was him on that game. Him and Al Michaels uh, talking about the NFL. One of those legends of the broadcast world, of the sports world. Well, he was one of the only broadcasters to affect ratings. Definitely. And that's something that... One of the, only, uh, one of the commentators. One of the, one of the commentators to affect ratings positively. And, I mean, like, obviously, 
as Packer fans, we there are certain commentators we like and certain commentators that we don't. But John Madden, every time you'd hear him come on Sunday Night Football, you would stop and listen to Coach. Monday Night Football. Right. I mean, whenever you would hear him pop up wherever he was, you stop and you listen to John Madden. So I know it's a, some of the youngins might not really remember him being in the TV side, but I guarantee almost every single one of you have picked up a You've played Madden, Madden video NFL. game at some point. You've heard the voice. You probably didn't know it. The co- A Super Bowl winning coach. Yeah. I think that's the part that gets forgotten about by our generation and, and other, you know, around our age. He had an incredible coaching career and a spot, a cameo in Little Giants, the movie. Well, and he's one of the winningest win percentage coaches of all time, correct? I believe so. I'd have to look into that, but I believe you're right. Sorry, we're not very prepared for the yeah, John Madden talk. But what an incredible a life and career that guy lived. Boom. John Madden passing away at the age of 84. So with that. Just got pouring out for the homie. Yeah, for real. Uh, with that, um, kind of transitioning into, like I said, the world of college football and some some degenerate betting talk. Um, Badgers, we talked about that game. Six-point favorite in the whatever bowl, the Las Vegas Bowl. Um, I really should have probably had these selections because I was saying to myself the other day, I don't know if I've gotten a single bowl game right in these predictions, but also I think I've gotten a lot of these right too. Like looking at the last couple, since we recorded last, I mean, a lot of these games ended up getting canceled. I believe I had Army over Missouri. We should write these down so we actually know how well we do. we really should. Maybe take a little more serious. Um, Miami of Ohio beat North Texas. I know I called this one UCF over Florida. Uh, Georgia State and Ball State. I don't hey, remember who I picked in that one. Did UCF win a national title? They did. Hmm. They did. Should have. Uh, Western Michigan beat Nevada. I'm pretty confident I had that one. Uh, Boston College versus East Carolina was canceled. SMU Virginia was canceled. And we ended up not recording on Tuesday night, so we didn't get to those Wednesday night games. Um, only, you know, who knows which of these they're going to play. But... For all intents and purposes, we've got better and better, bigger bowl games. I don't. Do you want to do all the bowl games, or do you just want me to pick a couple? Pick a couple. So we go to the game the Badgers played in last year, that being the North Carolina versus South Carolina, the Dukes Mayo Bowl, UNC by nine and a half. Probably where I'm going to go, UNC. Give me the Gamecocks to cover. All right. Uh, we'll go to the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, Michigan State versus Pitt. Michigan State, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Go Sparty. Yeah, give me Michigan State. We look at the New Year's Eve games. A couple big ones. Um, so we look at, of course, you got to start with the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. And <laughs> 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 that being uh, Washington State and Central Michigan. Central Michigan bouncing from the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl because that game getting canceled. Accepted the bid to fill in to play Washington State for the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Uh, Washington State, a seven and a half point favorite. I think I'm going to go Washington State on that one. Give me the Cougs. And then, of course, the college football playoff games. Bama, Cincinnati, Alabama, 13 and a half points. Give me Alabama. I don't want to say Alabama. You're going to bet against 
the better roster, better I'm coach. I'm not going if Alabama picks, is better at every single position. For the picks purposes. You want to take Cincy so bad. I do. I want to I want to think that they'll prove that they belong. I want to say that they've got a lot riding on this. I think they're going to play more emotionally. Alabama's going to go all the Boy Scouts over them, and that's all it's going to be. I know. I'm going Bearcats. I, I've got to. I've got to. I don't want to. What's the money line on that? The money line, I might go down to the sports book, put some cash on that. That is a plus 400 for the Bearcats. Catch me Thursday at the sports book. Thursday night or Friday. Why, just to give them your money? That's what betting is. You might, as well just, you might as well just walk in there and be like, hey, here's my 25 American pesos. You can keep the change. Maybe I'll maybe I'll take the money line. Maybe it'll cover. Or I won't take the money line. Maybe I'll take the spread to cover. But 13 and a half is a lot. Not against Alabama. No. Not I, against I'm still, Alabama. Take, I'm still believing in the Bearcats. I'm going to die a, on that hill. That's a mistake. Michigan, Georgia in the Capital One Orange Bowl. Georgia's a seven and a half point favorite. I think I'm gonna take Michigan to cover. I, I money line I would take Georgia. I think Michigan covers. I you know, I would I've been thinking about that game and I was literally just gonna say that same thing. I think Georgia's is a better team. I I think Michigan's better on the defensive and offensive line. And I think that's what it's gonna come down to. So give me Michigan to cover. To cover. For for the record, if you want to put some scratch on that game, um, the Wolverines are plus 240 on the money line. We might have to take a trip Friday. Might, you know, I might have to go take a gander over to the... Or Thursday. We might have to go... Thursday night? Maybe do some dinner? Yeah. Go do some degenerate business? Some prosperous for the podcast. It's for it's for content, Ramsey. It's for it's it's for the people. Yeah. That actually might be a tomorrow night thing. I have a couple obligations to take care of Thursday, but we'll see. We'll see. So that's your college football playoff first four games. When we look at the New Year's Day. Obviously, got to go through some of these New Year days, uh, New Year's Day games. Um, the Rose Bowl, Ohio State over Utah. Uh, Ohio State's only a four and a half point favorite. Give me the Buckeyes. I'm gonna take Utah. The Outback Bowl, uh, Penn State versus Arkansas. Arkansas a one point favorite, basically a pick'em. Give me Ar- Arkansas. Arkansas. The PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, Notre Dame versus Oklahoma State. Uh, that's gonna be a good game. Give me Oak State. Notre Dame's a two and a half point favorite for if Rams. If you want to go be a generator on this one, not that much of a profit. A plus one fifteen. Money line for the Cowboys. Give me the boys. I like these Cowboys. The other Cowboys suck. Iowa, Kentucky in the Citrus Bowl. Kentucky a three-point favorite. Give me KU. I think I'll go Iowa that way. I just I have a hard time picking can, Kentucky football. Can, if this was a basketball game, I'd go you KU have, all the time. You have seen Iowa live. I know. You think that they can score a touchdown. I know. You, you really think that they can score a touchdown on SEC defense. But it's Kentucky. They're a basketball school. I was a wrestling school. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I'll, I'll switch to Kentucky. You got me. 
Uh, then we go to the last game of the evening. I did these out of order, so that's kind of on me. But uh, Baylor versus Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl. Mississippi or Mississippi, yeah, Mississippi. Ole Miss, a one and a half point favorite over the Baylor Bears. Is Oklahoma or Ole Miss's quarterback? Is he playing? It's a good Matt question. Coral. Is that his name? It is Matt Coral. Um, if he, I assume he's playing because they're a favorite. Uh, very even money line, plus 100 for Baylor, minus 120 for Ole Miss. Over under 55, which would also indicate to me that he's playing, but let me just do a little search here. I think I'm going to lean Baylor. Nothing indicating that he's not playing, so I'm going to assume that he is. And with that, I think I'll go scratch on that game. I'll probably go Ole Miss. But that is going to be a good game. That's probably the best game that we've talked about, except maybe that Georgia-Michigan game could be a very potentially good game. The only game I overly care about is Alabama-Michigan, or Alabama-Cincinnati. Fair enough. I and hope Cincinnati gets crushed. I hope monster. it's 55 I'd... to nothing. You're a monster. That's what you are. I don't think so. I'm just realistic. Yeah, you're you're a monster. You're realistic, but you're a monster. I hope Cincinnati just... <laughs> I hope Alabama comes out and every single one of their players is bigger than all the Cincinnati players, and they just like roll over and play dead, and they hope Alabama doesn't touch them too bad. <laughs> you're probably... That's probably what's going to happen. I just... I can't root for Alabama, even if there's money on the line. I just can't. I just can't, Ramsey. So with that said, I mean, they'll probably win by like 100, just because why not? But why not? You know, go, go Bearcats. That's where, I'm, that's where I'm, I'm rooting for this week. Uh, you want to look at a couple NFL games, or are you, you good? You know, I'd love to look at some NFL games. Let's look. We'll be looking ahead to week 16 of the NFL slate. And, or excuse me, week 17 in the NFL slate. Uh, some big time games. There's no Thursday Night Football this week. So, opening up on the SPN app, Packers, Vikings, we'll talk about that one later. Uh, we usually start with one of the bigger point spreads, and there's a couple double digit ones out here. So, these are usually the more fun ones to pick anyway. Falcons, Bills. Bills are a 14 and a half points favorite over Atlanta. In Buffalo or in Atlanta? In Buffalo. Give me Buffalo. I'd have to agree with that. Jaguars, Patriots in New England, 15 and a half points there. Give me Trevor Lawrence to cover the 15. Mac Jones is going to cover that. You know that. I can't bet against Trevor, though. Another guy you can't bet against is the Tampa Bay Gronkineers, Champa Bay, traveling to New York. To play the Jets, or traveling to New Jersey, technically, to play the Jets. Tampa Bay, a 13-point favorite. Who my boy Tom? Yeah, that's that should be easy. And let's see, probably the... I know we talked about Arizona, Dallas, so we won't do that one here. Um, how do you feel Monday Night Football? Browns, Steelers, Cleveland, and it's in Pittsburgh. Cleveland, a three-point favorite. Pittsburgh to cover... Big Ben's probably the last big primetime game of his career. I think he's going to come out gunslinging. It's going to be electric. 
and obviously Pittsburgh. And obviously Baker is uh Say it. I'm not going to say it. No. I mean you probably could have thrown me back there at quarterback and I probably wouldn't have thrown four interceptions. <laughs> Would you have thrown more interceptions or completions? I probably would have more interceptions than completions. However, it would not be four. Okay. I would have, I would have told Nick Chubb, hey, I have two interceptions. I'm just going to hand off to you the rest of the game. <laughs> and you know what? We'd probably win. No, I meant overall. More completions or more interceptions? More interceptions. Okay. Yeah. I, w- I would throw four times. You know what the game I really want to have a point spread on it, but right now it doesn't on the ESPN app, and maybe I'm just not looking hard enough. Oh, it does. It's just not with a thing. The Colts and Raiders, it's in Indy. They're a six-and-a-half point favorite. The Colts are? Yeah. There's no money line. Well, that's a consensus pick. So it doesn't actually have a listed spread. It doesn't have a listed money line right now. It doesn't even have an over-under, according to Caesar Sportsbook, uh, through ESPN. But you, that is a game I think would be... Give me the Colts. I would also probably take the Colts depending on what it's at. Because I think Sam Ellinger is just going to hand off to Jonathan Taylor 27 times. Is that who their backup is? Because Carson Wentz is out with COVID today. Sam Ellinger, right? The kid from Texas? Yeah, that's their backup? Yeah. He's expected to get the start. Over Brett Hundley? Are you serious? That's how bad Brett Hundley was. I know. It's so he is so bad. Nice guy. Awful quarterback. Do Awful. you remember when he was at Notre Dame? Oh, no, no. Uh, UCLA. UCLA. And they were saying when he started the season at UCLA that he was going to be a top 10 pick. God, that's disgusting. He was a fifth round pick. Do you remember that, though? I do. They, I think he came back a year, right? And then he fell in the draft? Yeah. he Like I said, he was a fifth round pick for Green Bay. Um, little shout out to Brett Hundley. So the Packers played the Browns for the first time, obviously since 2017. In that game, that was in Cleveland. My brother actually went to that. Um, that was Brett Hundley's when he was starting. They had that walk off touchdown, I believe to Devontae in the corner against. I believe that was the 0 and 16 Browns. So it was 2016, not 17. Maybe it was 17. Either way. They had that walk-off touchdown in overtime against the Browns. Devontae to the corner. But on radio, uh, just some, a program, a technical issue, we do our quarterback Q&A on the fan um, where we t- you know, it's a, the clips of the quarterback kind of previewing the matchup, et cetera, kind of a dedicated segment to itself. The Brett Hundley one played from that 2016-17 game, whatever it was. And I had to laugh because I have not thought about Brett Hundley in three or four years. Didn't we trade him for a case of Coors Light? We did. And I don't, I don't even think it was Coors Light. I think it was like probably Milwaukee's best ice light. I think that was the trade. Some Milwaukee's best light. Not even, just, not even Milwaukee's best. We traded him for uh, two tickets to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No, because that actually has value to people. <laughs> we traded him to two tickets... To a free concert. We traded him for... We could probably do this all day, if we're being the, honest. The, the labeled just, it says vodka on it. Nothing else, plastic bottle, just <laughs> vodka. In, in, hand, or in permanent marker 
with the K backwards. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we traded Brownlee for. We traded Brett Hundley for the sandwich at the gas. No, the hot dog at the gas station. Not even Quick Trip, because Quick Trip, whatever. We traded him for the Fleet Farm gas station hot dog that they're about to throw away. It's been on the rollers too long. It's all dried out and shriveled. We traded him for that last little bit of a beer that you don't want to drink because it's just at that point mostly backwash. <laughs> we could keep doing this all day, I'm sure. <laughs> I We probably should stop. I don't really have any off the top of my head. Just you trashing Brett Hundley. We traded him for a dark chocolate Heath bar. Ugh. They didn't actually want. They just were offered it, and it was the best thing that came forward. It's like when you when you play Madden, RIP. Um, when you play Madden or any sports video game, and you put a guy in the market, and they're like, "No trade request offer." When you do the trade block part of the game, and you have a veteran player that no one actually wants, and there's no offer sent back. It's you know it's week sixteen in the earth like the trade deadline so it's week ten or whatever in the NFL teams are playing with me back there. Nah, we're good. You can keep Brett Huntley. <laughs> nice guy though. Nice guy. <laughs> um. So with that, we look at this week's. I kind of talked about the Packers, the kind of the narratives that came out of that game. I I didn't like any of those narratives. I don't think they're accurate. I I. Obviously, it would have been nice to see them cover the seven points they were favored by and look dominant, but they also didn't look that bad either. What I would say about Green Bay and kind of what we've been getting at all year to this point is that they have been winning these kind of... They've been winning different ways, Mm -hmm. and they've been winning not pretty. They've been winning gritty. Yeah, they've they've had to win tough ways, and that's not what they've been doing the last three or four years at this point. Well, they didn't do it last year. Last year they won big. The year before that they won a lot of ugly games. These aren't ugly. I don't think they're ugly. I think they're gritty. Right. They they they're beating teams and not playing well or with their entire roster. They have been unlike the last three years. They've been decimated by injury, and they're still. Week after week, the best team on the field, and probably still the best team in the NFL. One of probably three teams that you can put in well, that conversation. Playing with what, the third string left tackle at this point, fourth string left tackle at this point, and we haven't noticed a difference in pressure towards Aaron Rodgers. Miles Garrett was, for the most part, outside of step on Aaron's toe, was irrelevant. I mean, he and he played a lot on the right side too, but they schemed up good enough. You know, we we talked about looking at like Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones has such a had such a quiet year, but he's got over a thousand all purpose yards. Looked at AJ Dillon. AJ Dillon over or close to, he's forty four yards short of an all of a thousand yards. So all that said, I mean, you've got two running backs close to a thousand all purpose yards. You've got Devontae Adams, who has thirteen hundred receiving yards, ten touchdowns. That's a down year for him. I have as of never. I, I know we've talked about this before, but we're talking about Devonta, so we got to say it again. 
I have never seen a receiver make it look that easy. No. And a guy who, with very few exceptions, does not take hits. No, he never gets lit up. He he has a couple times. I mean, there's the Detroit one on the goal line. Or not Detroit, uh, Chicago on the goal line a couple years back uh, from Danny Trevathan. About what, once a year probably takes a hard He hit. had the one against, what was it, Kansas City that was really scary. And then he came back with two plays later. Yeah, just reliable. He had two drops kind of at the end of that game. That yeah, that I mean, those are so uncharacteristic. Though it's not even a concern, right? No one ever. No one was like, it was a more of a disbelief that he dropped it, not a. We're mad at you, Devontae. We'll just try to catch it next time. Not like how it was when he was first coming up, where people wanted, and myself included, I thought he was going to get cut uh, for Jeff Janis and Jared Aberderis. Remember that when that was a conversation. Two very solid receivers that I don't think quite got a fair shake. Probably not, but it was well, what Jeff it was. Well, Jeff Janis was what it was. Jared Everdares, though. Yeah, I think he probably deserved more, and he ended up going to Detroit having an okay year than retiring. He had a four-year, five-year stint in the NFL and decided he wasn't feeling like having concussions anymore, and he got his bag, and he went home. Good for him. Hats off to him. I'd love did to have really, him on the podcast. Did he really get a bag, though? Well, he got it. No, he was a draft pick. He got a couple. It wasn't. I think he was making what we traded Brett Hundley for. No, I think he was that they were slightly paying him more. In that dark chocolate Heath bar, and the case of Milwaukee's best. No, I think he was probably like. No, it wasn't even Milwaukee's best. It was Red Dog. We're paying him in Red Dog and Heath bars. I, I I think he was making probably along the lines of like a seasonal. Reese's. Like every time that the Reese's, like the pumpkins came out, and then we'd stop paying in those for like a week, and then maybe the trees. So still paying them in candy, but you know, better candy. Or put the Milwaukee's best. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he was probably getting like Natty Light. Or hams. Oh, God. Probably. Just chugging hams. I've not done that in. Nor should anybody do no, that. I have not done that in if you see way hams too long. At the grocery store, just it's not just worth it. Yeah, just keep going. If you can't afford something else, just don't. start hopping paint or something. Like, <laughs> That's not root for Wisconsin advice, but you're not too far off. I'm not going to condone that. Bad, Ramsey. But I'm also not like disagreeing that much. Either. I'm sure your work has Sharpie markers that you can steal and just. <sighs> Yeah. That's, that's better than hams. It's probably better for you, too. That's not... They're not too far off. Like, I can't disagree. I can't agree. But if you're that hard up for it, maybe you don't need the case of beer. Let's just, let's just put it that way. I would take not drinking over a 30 rack of hams. You, if you do a 30 rack of hams, you might as well not leave the bathroom the next day. Oh, my God. Yeah. Facts. But anyway, back to actual discussion, Ramsey. God, this show is terrible. This is awful. But uh, Packers get the win over the Browns. Um, really not a whole lot that hasn't been said already. Aaron look, sets the record. Looks good. Uh, Aaron and Devontae set the record on their next touchdown and technically the one after that. What was that record for? That was the duo or the most duo or touchdowns in for a duo, quarterback-receiver duo, in team history. So a couple team records getting broken. Um, Aaron 
is third in touchdowns with one team. Not third all-time in touchdowns, but third in touchdowns with one team. Behind the Saints, Drew Brees, and Tom Brady with the Patriots. But still a you know, pretty impressive milestone, nevertheless. Um, passes Brett Favre, the gunslinger. When Brett Favre retired at the end of 2007, and I would have told you that Aaron Rodgers was going to break his record... Would you have believed me? I don't know. I After that game in Minnesota where you see Brett Favre running off the field with um, Greg Jennings breaking Dan Marino's record, right. I would have told you that Aaron Rodgers is going to beat that record. With 193 less interceptions in, what, like 1,000, 1,600, something like that, uh, attempts. And I can't remember what the completions were. Probably not. I know. Um... Not that Aaron Rodgers was badged. I didn't see it coming. Um, but with that in mind, if anyone's going to do it, I got I to say, when did you, you were watching the game from home, correct? Yes. When you watched, did Brett Favre not look like he was being held hostage? Brett Favre always kind of looks that way. Like, they, they basically said, hey, make this video or else insert threat here. It's kind of one of those things that I don't think Brett Favre really wants anything to do with Football, really, in general. I don't know, because he has his serious show. Like, he has a show on serious every week. Yeah, but they're paying him a boatload of money to do that. He kind of have to with this whole other situation. <laughs> but. Hey, remember that time he sent those dick pics? <laughs> I can only imagine. I, like, I'm not going to go down that conversation, but that's, that's one we'll have to have off air. But. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you should see Eric's face right now. He was not ready. I was I was not ready for that. You got me on that one. But no, all seriousness. Um, yeah, yeah, like I said, he looked like he was being held hostage and just, oh yeah, I have one more request. Go win a Super Bowl. Yeah, Brett Favre never looks overly enthused talking about Packers stuff. Football, life in general. Do you think that's a sore subject for him with the Packers? I don't, at this point, I don't think so. I think maybe five years ago, maybe, when he'd just gotten done playing, but I think now, you know, they say time heals all wounds. I think he, I think they're on better standing. I just, I think it might still be a sore subject. I don't. I'm sure it's not how I, he wanted it to happen. I have no uh, backing of that. But I, I, Brett Favre to me seems like the kind of person that hold a little bit of a grudge, and not that he doesn't deserve to, or not that the Packers did what they did was wrong. But I, I could see Brett looking at it like, hey, they did me a little dirty. And I, I don't know. Just ever since he's left, he doesn't seem to have that same. Like I said, I, I think that at this point in 2021 going into 2022, I think bygones are bygones. Everyone, everyone's good with each other. Everything's peachy enough. I'm sure there's still like a little bit there. But I also think, like I said, I think, you know, you get older, you kind of understand things a little bit more. You take a second to remove yourself from the the situation. And I think things are probably better off. You know, I, I sure he, I'm sure he probably wishes it didn't happen the way it did. Maybe he should have been a little more decisive. Probably. I, th- I don't think he'd deny that either. Um, I think, you know, as a whole, as, unless you're talking about hunting, I think I'm sure he's probably not really... To looking forward to doing videos from his home or whatever. 
Um, I kind of wished he was going to be there in Green Bay on, on Christmas Day, but I get why he wasn't. You know, it's cold. Why would you leave Mississippi? Family's down there. Like I said, I don't think he overly likes Aaron Rodgers either. That's a really weird dynamic relationship. Too. Like they they wheel them out together what, about once every other year or so at an award show or an interview. Well, and they say or... that they talk consistently, which is also wild to me. First of all, I can't imagine Brett Favre texting anymore, and I can't imagine Aaron Rodgers getting on the phone and calling someone. But at the same time, it was like. I, I could see them, you know, now that Aaron's a little older in his career, and and I, I'm sure they've mended their relationship at least enough from what it was. But then, yeah, I don't know. I That's a really weird dynamic to even, that's probably a different episode just to break down that whole situation. But all in all, I mean, like I said, just a nice video, or good enough anyway. Um, gets to do it at home, which obviously cool. I don't think anybody had Alan Lazard being the one who caught it. And I guess the football is being actually given to Brett Favre's grandson. Why? Why is that the... Like, I don't... I, I'm sure there's something behind that, but I don't understand why that's the... I don't either, to be honest with you. I really don't. Because they made kind of a big deal about it. And I'm like, oh, is Brett's grandson sick? Or Yeah, I don't... And I, to this point, I can just, as far as I know, it's just that Aaron decided that's who he's going to give the ball to. Well, and what's so funny, if you really think about how that is, I mean, you look at how up to that point, and Brett Favre's talked about it, aside from his first touchdown, he didn't get any of his 100 touchdowns. He didn't get the 100, he didn't get 200, he didn't get 300 until 400 last season. What so, happened to him, do we know? Yeah, they. Uh, I think number 100 was somebody's first touchdown. I can't remember exactly who, but it was somebody's first touchdown. Number 200, I think, went in the stands. I think Devontae punted or something like that in the stands in Atlanta. Or maybe that was number 300. Or, no, because I think Devontae had involvement in two of them. I think the first, 200 was his first one, and 300 he threw into the crowd. So 400, they made a really big deal about making sure he got it. With them, if, which I'm not mistaken, I think that was also Alan Lazard, too. That was last season. I believe that was against the Titans. On that game in the snow. If I'm not mistaken, I think that's how that happened. But yeah, they made a big deal about how Rodgers didn't get his, any of his balls except the 400, um, except for number one that he got from Greg Jennings. And then this one happens. It's yeah, it's going to Brett Favre's grandson. I'm sure Aaron doesn't overly care about the Green Bay record, though. I'm sure he does to a point, but I'm sure that's also not a. Do you know what I mean? I'm sure that that's it's a record more for the fans versus what Aaron wants. Yeah, I I probably agree with it. It's not like a it's not like an NFL record, NFL milestone. It's it's a team record that ultimately I don't. I'm sure it will be broken, but I can't envision it being broken anytime soon. Are you are you sure it's gonna be broken? Just with how the NFL is going, with how it but, even trends more and more to passing league. It well probably not though because I don't think you're gonna see another seventeen eighteen year quarterback. And the thing with the NFL and it's kind of going in a phase and it's kind of transitioning just a little bit, where for the last decade the NFL has changed a little bit, right? Right. Well, so the NFL about a decade ago, around the time like JJ Watt, Von Miller, uh, Khalil Mack, some of these guys come out of college, they were getting drafted really high because they were. Really good pass rushing defensive ends. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily known for being a run 
defense linebacker defensive end. So a lot of these guys are drafted really high, going really soon. Defenses started to get smaller to account for more speed. Right. More cover linebackers, more cover safeties, more cover defensive backs. And I think we're starting to see a little bit of a transition to power run teams making a little bit of a comeback with Tennessee and Indianapolis. And even some of the better teams in the league right now, I think Green Bay is included, obviously San Francisco, um, New England for the most part. They're kind of transitioning a little bit back to being a run-focused team to set up play action. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to guess going forward that people have kind of saw the value in going to get a big bruising running back because defenses are smaller and not able to... Well, they, you have to build and defend the pass. That's the way the NFL is going as a whole. But every team now is getting that running back, A.J. Dillon. Right, those, uh, those big running backs we haven't seen in about 20, 20 years. years. Jerome Bettis probably being like the last one. Right. That was, what, 2007, I think? Yeah, retired. so 15 years now. So now we're talking about, I think the NFL might take a slight transition to building... Not a run-first option team, but having a more run-focused offense. So I would, I'm going to guess pass numbers are going to come down a little bit for the next few years. And just, I, I'm going to guess teams are going to try to look to build off the run game a little bit more because teams are being so good at defending the pass. I, 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 that probably doesn't you're sound right. You're probably not wrong. I think you're right to an extent. But I also, you know, there's not that many backs like that in college football either. Right, because honestly, we've kind of, I don't know, I've been thinking about this for a little while now, really ever since, um, I'm trying to think of the player I was thinking of. But to be an NFL player, you have to be a great athlete in your town, right? Great athlete in your city, great athlete in your county, great athlete in your state, great athlete in the country, to make the NFL. Right. Hall of Fame players in the NFL after that point, it, there's a little bit of a luck involved to it because well, you, you've got to go to the right situation. Well, and you have to have the right style that matches what the NFL is moving towards. You got to be a little bit ahead of your time. You have to be a fuzz ahead of your time to be a Hall of Fame level quarterback. Because like even Tom Brady coming on the draft right now would probably be looked at more like a Mac Jones where. Also, the mid first round. Right, and the athletes are going to go a little bit sooner because that's kind of the way the NFL's pivoting is more towards an athletic quarterback, the Josh Allens of the world, the Aaron Rodgers of the world earlier in his career. So I think that the NFL, to be a great NFL player, you have to hit it at the right time that your play style matches what, what's in the NFL, mm-hmm. which is kind of an interesting thought of. So I don't know if that record does get broken because you would have to play what, fifteen years. Let me take a. Look. I'm gonna crunch some numbers here, but you have to play for a number of years, and you've got to figure, what thirty? T- I mean, thirty touchdowns is kind of low end, so you even go thirty five. Sure. So what was it? Four forty three. I mean, it's four forty four, four forty five now. Let's go even to the Brett Favre number, four forty three. And if you divide that by 35, so just even that's kind of what the NFL is right now, 35 touchdowns a year is sure. slightly above average. That's 12.6 years. 
without injury, averaging 35. And you got to think that your rookie year is probably going to be a little lower than 35. Right. So, I mean, you're really talking 14 years probably. 14 years of being at that same level. And that's, I mean, granted, the way the NFL is transitioning to 35 is is probably, like I said, it's slightly above average at this point. I mean, that's, that used to be a high-end number, but that's probably where your good quarterback, a guy that you would sign long-term has to be at, right? Right. Like, if you look at Aaron Rodgers' career numbers, I mean, as his career has gone on here, um, he had a couple outlier years. Like, I mean, that year, not counting injury years, because like the injury years, uh, 2017 was the year he only played in seven games. He still had, what was it, 16 touchdowns I saw here. Uh, 2018-2019 had 26 and, or 25 and 26. Last year he had 48. But over his average here, he's at 445 through 17 years really, but the first two years he didn't play, he had one in 2007. So you really look at since he took over as starter from 2008. 2008 he had 28. 2009 he had 30. 28, 45, 39, 17. That was the other collarbone year. Right. 2013. 17, 38, 31, 40, 16, 25, 26, 48, 33 this year. All likelihood probably ends up closer to 40. Right. But you're probably looking probably 37, 38. Sure. If we're being being honest, you know, just kind of averaging it out here. Two more games left, not counting playoffs. Minnesota, Detroit. Probably get two apiece, right? Probably four more. Probably three. I'd even say three apiece. That's even six more. It's 39. So even if you do that, I mean, you do 443 over 33, which is close. That's 13 years. That's a whole other season. Right. So we're talking that we're going to have another sustained quarterback for a, more than a decade. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. If you get one, great. It, it won't happen. It probably won't happen with Jordan Love. And that's not a knock on Jordan Love. It's just the reality of the situation. I'm not sold that Jordan Love's even going to be there next year. I'm not either. At this point, and I know I was pretty adamantly against that, but unless Aaron Rodgers retires this offseason, I don't see that happening. And even if he does, I almost think you maybe try to go trade for a short-term quarterback. Because I don't think Jordan Love's ready right now. I think he's probably another year yet. I don't know. I, if you give him the offseason reps, if you design an offense to him and give him more than three days' notice to start a game, maybe that turns out better if you have him as a whole season to allow him to, to kind of fit those practice reps. I've... Talked about this before, though. I'm not sure Matt Lafleur is the right coach either for Jordan Love or for the Packers. Just in general, I think Aaron Rodgers is covering up a lot of. I think Matt Lafleur is better than Mike McCarthy. I okay. don't know if Matt Lafleur is Sean McVay. I or think Matt Kyle LaFleur... Shanahan, or I don't think he's on those guys' level. I think we're seeing him coming into his own this year. I think this is the first year you can say relatively confidently that this is a Matt LaFleur-driven year. Sure. I mean, you you can tell me that. I, I'm still not I'm still not 100% sold on Matt LaFleur, and I think I won't be until Aaron's not there anymore. 
That's fair. I want to see what Matt LaFleur can do without Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers it can cover up a lot of blemishes. I, I, he, the reason I think you're wrong is that transition from the 25 and 26. Um, and granted, the first year was with LaFleur. That was the 26 touchdowns. But you look at this year's 33 so far. You look at last year with the 48. And yes, I think, you know, Aaron obviously being healthier than he has been up to this point, you know, those previous three years really he's been playing hurt mm-hmm. in some capacity. But if you look at how this scheme, if you watch on a week-by-week basis, which I know you do, so this isn't attacking you, but if you look at how this scheme is, it's designed to play to a quarterback's, any quarterback, but especially a damn good future Hall of Fame first ballot quarterback. It's designed to play to their strengths, where you've got a lot of motion, you've got a lot of misdirection in the run game. But, you don't have to rely on a run game, but or, it, but it's you don't there. rely. But you don't have to rely on a quarterback throwing, like he did forty five and six that twenty eleven season. You don't have to rely on Aaron Rodgers being an MVP to win thirteen games like they did the first year. Are we sure though that we don't have to rely on Aaron Rodgers to be an MVP to win games? Because I think we're there right now. I think without Aaron Rodgers, this is a... I think Aaron's probably worth, what, five wins so far this year? Four or five? Something like that, probably. So, like I said, I'm not trying to bash Matt LaFleur, because I think Matt LaFleur is a good coach. I'm just not sold that it's... Because I, I will say this about Aaron. I think Aaron doesn't get credit for mistakes that we don't get into. Right. Like, Aaron Rodgers doesn't get credit for stuff that doesn't happen. So I think with, if you swap Baker Mayfield in, I think the outcome of the game is different on Sunday for sure. Because I think, like I said, I think Aaron Rodgers is, and this is more of a veteran quarterback conversation versus a young quarterback conversation. Right. I think Aaron Rodgers is really good at sitting around a corner and being like, hey, I can avoid myself getting into trouble here and saves the team a lot of headaches. That's fair. So I'm not saying that Malfoy is not a good coach. I think he is. And obviously he's won 12 games three years in a row now. 12 plus. So I I think... I mean, let's... uh, Barring some major setback, let's call it what it is. Probably at least 13 games his first three years. So we're talking about a coach that wins 13 games. You're obviously doing something right, and you're obviously a good coach. And I'm not saying that it's not. I'm just not 100% sold that it's not Aaron Rodgers driving the train more so than Matt LaFleur. I think it's a healthy mixture of both. I'm not going to say. That's fair. But I think you have to have that to right. win right now. I mean, you have to have, like, you know, you look at Belichick and Mac Jones, and how that's been going, and pretty good so far. But you look at, like, a guy like, I mean, I mean Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Andy Reid, Damn good football coach. I don't think anybody would say anything to the co- to the contrary. You look at, I mean, Tom Brady, Bruce Arians, and even Tom Brady, Belichick. You look at Breeze and Sean Payton for as long as they were good, and even as the years kind of went by and Drew Brees started to show his age a lot more. But even, I mean, up to this point, even Sean Payton with having, what, seven different quarterbacks this year, it feels like? Four. Said, you know, I know it's the actual number, but it feels like seven between Jameis seven 11 and total. Jameis and Simeon and Ian Buck. Ian Buck. 
young Ian Book, as as Steve Levy said like a thousand times last night, and Taysom Hill. I okay. mean, they've still been enough in contention. Can we even really consider Taysom Hill quarterback? I would say no at he this point. He plays but... quarterback. I don't know if uh, I can consider him a quarterback. Like a really good wide receiver. Yeah, he's kind of like how um, Julian Edelman was a quarterback occasionally for the Patriots. Or like Antoine Randall for the Steelers. Steelers back in the day. Or even Randall Cobb occasionally for the Packers. Right. He's an emergency quarterback that you don't want to rely on. Right. Which, hey, he's made a career out of it, so good for him. He's got a pretty nice contract extension this offseason. So good for him. Right. Good special teams guy. Good uh, pass catcher. Kind of like, uh, do you remember, and this is really getting into the weeds here, before we, uh, before we had talked about, uh, you know, kind of looking at the Packers here, but <laughs> you remember when Jimmy Graham was at his peak and he had that big discussion about the franchise tag when he was with the Saints, right? how he wanted to be classified as a wide receiver and they wouldn't do that, so he missed out on like, so much money Yeah, because they wouldn't let him do it, even though the stats at the time proved otherwise. I don't know. That always pops in my head with Taysom Hill, but just it's totally different. But they want him. He wants to classify himself towards that quarterback money than that tight end money. Do you remember how good Jimmy Graham was though for a five year stint? Was it even that long? Probably not. Uh, probably but three. Yeah. Then we got him here in Green Bay, and we thought that we were going to be able to get the, that Jimmy Graham back. And it, it never. Uh... You saw flashes of it once in a while. He did enough per game to keep him relevant in, on the team. I don't, I don't even know if you can say that. He was on the team. I think he did enough. And this is always the thing with Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham was that pair of like jeans that are like a size too tight that you want to throw away, but you can never get yourself to do it because every once in a while, they'll fit just right. Yeah, like you don't have... You can't justify getting rid of it. But it's not your favorite pair that you right. wear anymore. But yeah. it's that one pair that you've got in the closet that when the day is right and maybe you've worked out a couple of days that week or maybe you've done some extra walking. You slim up just that slim up just that half an inch, put them on for a day. You go to try them on like a week later. It's like, nope, back to the closet for a couple months for you. That's Jimmy Graham. That's the perfect description of Jimmy Graham, too. Thank you. I've like, worked it, in that one for a while. It works for a little while, and then we're not going to talk about you for six weeks. Well, it's that, it's that one girl in college that you talk to, you go on a date, you hang out with, and then something pops up, finals pop up, or midterms pop up, and then you get so stressed with you know life and stuff like that, and you take a little bit of a break. You're not like committed to anything, but then you go watch a movie. It's like, oh, okay, this is pretty fun. And then finals happen, and then you go home for the winter break, and then it's been a month, and it's like, oh, yeah, you exist. See, that sounds more exciting than what Jimmy Graham was. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. How many touchdowns did he have? Two? Five, I think. Two, three, four, five. It wasn't Probably seven. more like that one that you have a couple classes with a semester. You work together in one class, you hang out a couple times, and then like, you don't hang out much after the class. But or... you just run them at a bar, and you have a 10-minute conversation, and you move on and play you run into them at a bar. You probably buy them a drink or two. Maybe they not come back to your place, if you know what I mean. But they come back. You hang out for a while. You get coffee a week later. And you never talk to them? And then you don't talk to them for a couple weeks, a couple months. 
You see each other at the you see each other at the grocery store. Hey, let's get lunch next week. You do. That's what that is. That's what Jimmy Graham was. So taking a look at this week, Packers Vikings. Packers a six point favorite against the Vikings. That one at Lambeau. Seven thirty start. Seven thirty Sunday night football prime I time. Hate Sunday night games. I really do too. Sunday I night think the, the perfect worst. game time. The game time for me is that three twenty five kick. The primetime America's Game of the Week or whatever. I wish that they started NFL games at 11. And then that 325 is actually a 225 start. It's kind of college. Yep. I could get on board with that. I think the reason they don't is in case your team's playing like a West Coast team. Because that's that's 8 in the morning for them. I don't care. Just saying. It's West Coast. Fair enough. But they have sunny weather. They can start early in the morning. They don't in like Washington or Oregon. Yes, they do. Not right now. They don't. It's not blizzarding outside. They have the same weather. We they're like the same level we are. Yeah, but they don't get like the minus sixteen degree days. They don't get like fifty they, to sixty degree days they either. Can, they can start earlier. Okay. Whatever. But. <laughs> No, I, I love the 325 kick time. That is probably my favorite of all the games. Because you can at least, you can kind of get into it. You can kind of have those noon games on in the background. Do something around the house, you know. Watch the games. Fiddle with your fancy football team, whatever. Actually, we should start at 9 a.m. 9 a.m. 9 a.m. start. Why is that, Ramsey? I don't know. I like chaos. Fair enough. I'm not going to argue with you on that. And then, because that noon game, just it comes up on you too quick. Yeah, it does. Especially if you uh, went and partaked in some Saturday night activities. Saturday night activities, or for the wholesome people who go to church Sunday morning. Sneaks up on you. Sneaks up on you, and you got no time to, you know, you're basically putting together lunch as you're looking at your fancy team. and and Speaking of which, you lost. I did lose. I think I projected that. I think you did. I think you were just being mean, but... I did lose. Tyson is going to the finals to play Shauna. So that, that championship's still coming home one way or the other. That's my prediction. Yeah. I wish that the commissioner would get rid of the trade deadline. He really should. Because I, I would funnel all sorts of players to Shauna this week. <laughs> I, I wish I could do that here this week. I, obviously, I can't, but next year. I would just funnel all the good players to Shauna. <laughs> next year. No but. trade deadline. Yeah, no, Tyson, Tyson did beat me. Thanks in large part to Travis Kelsey having 41 points last week. I saw the points for and the points against on your team there, Eric, and that was sus. That's not even how that works. That was sus. It was sus. That doesn't work that way. I saw it, though, and I'm like, that's not good. It wasn't my best performance. I, I'm still looking at podium. I'll take home third. We'll call a spade a spade. It is what it is. It's kind of a disappointing year, but... Um, no, I also took a loss in my, my league that I had no business being in the second round of the playoffs. Oh, so you, you had a rough weekend on fantasy, huh? I didn't win a single game this week. I went 0 for 3. Um, there's one league I didn't make the playoffs, took a loss. I really don't care. The league that I didn't make a comeback, so I, I want to make that clear. I made a comeback. But the league that I had previously won, I was a 7 seed. We have an 18 playoff, 10 team league. Sure. Um, so two I was, people get left out? Yeah. Two people get left out. <laughs> and then I was the only upset in the opening round of two weeks. 
I beat the two seed. So I'm already on the Cinderella the way it is. And then, yeah, I, I took a loss to that uh, the three seed. Go Team so, Shauna, though. Yeah, go Team Shauna. Bring that championship back to the miniature value and Do you have a trophy? Video. We have to figure out a prize yet. We should drink a bunch of beer and make a trophy. We could probably do that. A giant beer trophy. We'll get hot glue guns. <laughs> we'll put it together the day after, though. Yeah, not during. <laughs> we'll put it together during. It'll be like one's upside down and <laughs> like diagonal. It's leaning a little bit. Yeah, that. Whoever wins that trophy, best of luck to you. Shauna, Tyson, best of luck this week and, and next week for that matter. But anyway, so Packers, Vikings. Uh, Packers, a six point favorite. And that's, I'm really curious how this game plays out. For the reason being, so obviously Packers lose to Minnesota last go around. I think, I mean, Minnesota's largely kind of in that same standpoint they were when they played last time, desperate for the season, needing a win. Green Bay, I think, is playing for a lot more this time, though, too. I mean, they have the division wrapped up now. Uh, obviously, you're playing here for the number one to that first round bye. It's at Lambeau. Well, I think Green Bay was a better team the first time around. I do, too. I, I think, think that Kirk Cousins got away with some throws he probably shouldn't have. You know, put him in prime time. Putting him in prime time. That tends not to go well for him. No, it really doesn't. And the Packers playing to potentially lock up the number one seed this weekend. I think if they win in a Dallas loss might do that for them. Or maybe a win in a, in a Tampa Bay and Dallas loss. Because I know they're all tied, but I think Dallas has a tiebreaker on them too. So I don't know how that all shakes up. But I think they, I mean, obviously they still have to win out. Because if they slip a game and Dallas wins out, Dallas has a tiebreaker over Green Bay. That is true. I found the that Minnesota game. Yeah. Well, but okay. I, the NFL tiebreakers are ridiculous. They really are. That should be another note. I don't think he touched that ball. By the way, I don't. Either. We're watching the Mississippi State and Texas Tech game. Uh, a muffed punt. Maybe he touched. Maybe he got the leg. But that's gonna be close. I as of right now, they gave it back to Texas Tech. Texas Tech was about to snap the ball. I don't know if they're reviewing this or if they should. I think they should. I think Texas Tech should snap the ball. Okay, it looks like they're going to give it to him. I don't... Because they, they can't challenge it. It no longer matters. It no longer matters. I don't think he touched that, though. And Texas Tech has a chance to extend the lead here. So, good for them, but that was close. Um, anyway, so Packers, Vikings... Obviously a little concern. You don't know who's going to be playing running back from Minnesota this weekend. Dalvin Cook um, out with COVID last week. I, I'm assuming he'll be back. I don't think it matters. No? I really don't. And I, I'll say it. I don't think that the Vikings are going to have a good enough quarterback play to make it matter. Okay, so they do. So just confirming, Green Bay would clinch the number one seed with a win and a Cowboys loss. Which I think is both very likely. So the real question would be then, does it, does the the Packers set starters against the Lions. Week 18? Yeah. If they have it wrapped up, I think you could sit some. I don't think you sit Aaron Rodgers. Does Aaron Rodgers get surgery on his toe? Even if he does it, he's, he, he's been on record saying this, that he would have, uh, he'd be able to play if he does it the same week. I have a question about this. Why doesn't he wear like a carbon fiber 
towel in his cleat. I don't know. Because as far as I can tell, he doesn't. But it's also the pinky toe, so I don't think it would matter. Because it's so far off the point of the cleat. But okay, we're talking rich people money, though. They can have whatever they want. Still, though. I mean, just the way that the cleats are designed. I mean, you're still going to have that thing jammed against your rest of your foot. I don't think it would matter. Put your sh- when, you, when you leave tonight, put your shoes on and just realize, look where your pinky toe is, no matter what shoes you're wearing. But you could have a custom-made cleat. That's what I'm saying. Like You could have a custom-made carbon fiber insert for that cleat. I guarantee they make it. Or someone would be able to make it. So why don't we have some of that? Is that like against a rule or is that... I feel like it probably would be. I think you probably can't have inserts because it would probably be considered some sort of advantage or something, okay. physically speaking. Sure. Don't want people to get hurt more. I don't know. That's that's something that uh, brains better than ours probably either have, have already to... thought about and figured out they can't or it's against the rules or it just wouldn't matter. Brain's way better than ours. Doesn't doesn't exist. No way it can exist. It's a bold claim. Bull, bull claim. No one else is doing this garbage of a show. This, it takes, I don't know if that's true. It takes a lot of brain power to make this show this bad. <laughs> it probably does. So I'm going to also go on record as I don't think Minnesota's offensive line is as good as Cleveland's either. I think that was a no. big factor that not enough people are talking about is how good that offensive line actually is. They're the they're top three rated offensive line in the league week in and week out. I mean The biggest factor that we still have to see is if Jair Alexander ends up getting activated. Um I would hope that the Packers make the right decision. I don't think there was a news any news on that today. They have to decide by to episode release day Wednesday. I don't know if there's a time field. I think it's noon. But they have to make a decision on whether or not he's playing and activate him to the main roster. I would let him sit one more week. Well, you have to activate him to the roster. You can you can activate him and just put him on, like how they have with Bakhtiari. Technically, Bakhtiari is on the active roster. Right. Uh, but they just make him in game day inactive. I, I think that's the route to go. That's what I would do. Unless he's not close. But he's been practicing, so he, you got to assume he is close, too, you know? I would send him one more week. But they have to, like I said, they still have to put him on active roster. Right. I would, I would, if I'm Green Bay, I'd send Jair Alexander one more week. I'm sending David Bakhtiari one more week. Give him a tune-up game against the Lions. Give him the bye week to get into the swing of the offense or defense, and then start him in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Regardless if it's a one or a two seed, like I don't, because what what's the lowest Green Bay can fall right now? A four seed? Yeah, they've got the division already clinched up. So if they lose out and the other teams win out, I think they would be a four seed. I don't even because Green Bay has tiebreakers over Arizona or over whoever wins the West and Tampa Bay. They so, have tiebreakers there. So the lowest they could fall would be a three potentially. Well. No, I think they could fall to four if, both, if all three teams went out. Because we're two games maybe, ahead of Arizona right now. Arizona right. would be the four. No, Well, the Rams could be the four. Rams are currently the four. But we have a tiebreaker over the Rams. Right. So they'd but be, all three division winners right now, so all teams one, two, three, and four, or all teams three, two, three, and four, have lost four games. We lost three. 
Okay. We've lost three. So if we lose out, we'd lose five. If they win out, they'd have four. So we could potentially be the four seed. I don't see that happening under any circumstances, but that'd be the worst case scenario. So what, that'd be one scary four seed? That'd be a dangerous four seed. Because you're playing a five seed, probably whoever wins the West. That's at Lambeau. Right. Then you have divisional round, you'd play likely Dallas. In Dallas. In Dallas. Give me Green Bay in that one. Yeah. And then you'd be wherever you are for a championship game. One game with this team probably healthy. Right. I don't see that shaking out that way, but that would probably be one of the better four seeds. So, yeah, I mean, Green Bay, four seed, one seed, two seed, three seed. Doesn't matter. I don't think it'll matter. Let's play anyone. We'll play anyone. We'll beat anyone. That's the way it's going to be. So with that, I guess just to kind of look at the uh, official pick, make it official. I think we're both on the same page here. Packers plus six, or minus six at home, Sunday Night Football. Potentially playing to lock up the one seed. Give me Well, we'll know if it will lock up the one by a kick. Right, we will know. Give me Green Bay on the money line, Minnesota to cover the spread. I'm going to say Green Bay points and money line. Because sure. I think... I think Green Bay comes out in this game looking to prove a point that that game that they lost was a fluke. I think they're going to have Sunday Night Football, primetime game. I I really can't see them dropping this game under any circumstances. I can't see them coming out flat. I think think what's going to be is Green Bay's going to come out pretty hot. They're going to get a touchdown or two lead. It's a 14-point lead. Mm -hmm. I think Minnesota's going to come and score 10 in the fourth quarter to get within... Seven to ten points, somewhere in that range. So backdoor cover, basically. I think so. I think backdoor cover. Okay, I'll give you that. So with that in books, all we gotta do is really have a root for, and and I'll leave, I'll give you the option, Ramsey. We can either do a traditional root for, aside from the Packers or Badgers, or we can do a sports New Year's resolution. Sports New Year's resolu- New Year's resolution. What do you got? Kevin King needs to leave the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, get rid of that toxic X. Get rid of the toxic X as Kevin King is. I really I don't know if I have one to top that. I'm glad you I'm a little mad that you went first. Um, what would what would yours have been if I didn't go first? I'd probably say for the Packers, get healthy. So, you know, get healthy. You know, that's always a very popular one. People trying to lose weight the new year. It's kind of a nice milestone to start off with. Um the Bucks kinda really the same thing for the Bucks too. Like, I mean Milwaukee Bucks just kind of need to keep everyone healthy here. They've had their battles with COVID. They've had a couple of injury bouts. Get everyone healthy. Uh, Badgers, I would say, finish the job. Finish the Badger, you know, Badger football team. They'll, I mean, they'll be in the books before the New Year takes place, but right. finish the job there. Um, Badger basketball, finish the job for them. Got to keep out, keep playing at this high level that they have been. Stay as a team. Uh, Brewers, they just need to have a season. I mean, I don't think that we're going to get to that point where they don't have a season. Oh, I forgot they're locked out still. Yeah, they're still locked out. <laughs> so that's how, how much awesome or how awesome the, or the MLB is right now, where I think they had their first conversation last week since the lockout happened, and I think it was like an hour. They're not even close. So Brewers just have a season. I mean, I think they've got pieces. I think they've got some work to do for you know, free how agents. How funny would that be? If they got locked out for this next coming up season, 
I don't think it, it will happen. I don't think. I think they might lose spring training and they might push the season back a month. Oh, no, we don't get spring training baseball. It's real travesty, Ramsey. Darn. <laughs> Asshole. Darn. Um, but with that, I think that's my resolution there. Just get this, get this season away. Make sure there is a season. We'll figure out the rest later. Because in reality, they're too good of a team to not have a season. Yeah. Like that's, that's kind of the... So, all that in mind, and uh, just a quick, uh, once again, rest in peace, John Madden. Just real sad news here to end the episode. And with that, that's episode 55. R.I.P. John Madden. Uh, go Packers. Beat the Vikings. Happy New Year's. Ramsey, anything else? Nothing. We're for Wisconsin. We're out. See ya. Bye.